Hello and welcome to the Crack and Banter podcast with me, Reese, and my co-host, Luke. Luke, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on the Crack and Banter podcast. Uh, it's, it's great to be here. It's episode two now, series two. Uh, I, I'm not going to do this every week, telling people what episode it is of the series. <laughs> but No, I, yeah. I like that format. Just keep everyone posted, you know, and then that, that way we all know where we're getting to. I mean, it like might... The- might become an issue the further we get on and suddenly as your mind as you lose your mind more and more and we're on episode 700 and and you have no idea where you are anymore i'm like the talking clock i'll drop i'll drop my phone number in the insta bio and people can uh, text me if they want to know what the most recent episode was great yeah yeah yeah. if you ever have any questions regarding what episode number we're on please direct those to look uh, and he will keep you informed <laughs> But yes, welcome to our podcast. Uh, as you say, second episode of season two. Last week was a great success of our, our first episode of the new season. And uh, we're back back this week to record again. Something a little bit different this week um, because we had a, a while there. I think obviously it was the summer, so summer blockbuster kind of season. We had kind of movie after movie for a little while. So we had lots and lots of uh, reviews kind of for the past few episodes. Um, so we're, we're taking a step back from reviews for this week and we're going to do a bit of a video game topic, but it, it's also loosely a movie topic as well. And we'll, we'll explain all of that once we get in, into it, but we'll start off with some news as we always do. Um, surprisingly slow news week this week. Look, would you believe it's, it's rare that that happens now? Every, it feels like every time I open up uh, my phone or any, any kind of social media, there's some kind of entertainment or movie news so it's unbelievable that there actually wasn't that much this week but uh i did manage to find a couple of couple of interesting things obviously the suppose the most interesting thing that happened with um the internet this week i know usually we talk about entertainment news but uh suppose this is so big it'd be hard to not talk about was that um facebook and all the other apps shut down the other day (laughs) did you uh what, what happened with you when that happened did you uh lose your mind or were you okay it's a bit dodgy i had to actually talk to people in real life or even worse go on twitter and place is just (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah no you can't you can't stop to that level um (laughs) as difficult as as difficult as real life social interactions are it's it's levels levels and levels above a twitter interaction (laughs) most definitely um yeah not to not to date the episode too much but um yeah this this week was the uh the famed facebook blackout that i'm sure everybody is very very aware of um given how it just disrupted life and introduced a a new world of anarchy and chaos <laughs> when it happened actually whenever it did happen to me uh so i was i was in work when it happened and because I, I was going back and forth between like working and then trying to like see what was going on because I couldn't obviously take any time out. So uh, it was really bizarre because I was just sort of drip feeding information. And when it first happened, I thought like the internet just stopped working because obviously we couldn't connect. So we thought the Wi-Fi was just on. And then, but then I couldn't connect with my data either. So I thought, oh, uh, this was on WhatsApp at the time. And I was like, oh, WhatsApp must just be down. Let me check something else here, see if the Wi-Fi is working. So then I went and checked Facebook and then it didn't work. And then I checked Instagram as well. And because none of them were working, I was like, oh my God, has, 
has the world's internet stopped working? <laughs> I thought that like like the global internet had shut down for the day. I, I had no idea. And it probably like, it freaked me out because I was like, what the hell happens if that happens? Like, the, it would be a proper, that would be actual chaos if that happened, if the internet just stopped. So I had, I had a little second where I was like, wait, what's going on? Uh, and that was only for maybe a minute or two before I uh, checked like a different app and realized that, or just checked the normal internet and realized it was fine. But it was it was worrying for a minute. <laughs> I really had no idea what was going on. Uh, but it, it did make me think if the world kind of reverted it to some kind of weird dark ages uh, briefly and what what would happen in that situation uh, or well I suppose it would be a sort of a apocalypse meets dark ages weird bizarro world do you think you'd do well for yourself would you be like a lord in that kind of situation or would you be like more of a Mad Max type guy well to be honest it's not quite the same thing but I mean I've always thought that in the event of any apocalypse type event, we're really sort of uh, doing it on hard mode in the UK because realistically, all the apocalypse stuff, post-apocalyptic stuff, whether it's in the USA, it's, sorry, it's usually set in the USA, uh, mm. whether it's zombies or not. Um, but that means everyone's got access to guns. Uh, yeah. <laughs> True. Whereas here we have to play on hard mode. Best we can do is get like Shaun of the Dead style, just like wreck any improvised weaponry records, discs, and cricket yeah. bats, whatever. <laughs> so uh, I, I don't think anyone's going to have the potential to do like Mad Max style uh, road battles. Maybe the best thing you could probably do is, I don't know, scrap someone at McDonald's for the last chicken nuggets on earth or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that does sound right. Although I'd love to see uh I'd love to see Mad Max versions of all of the little boy racer cars <laughs> in in Larn and Belfast. But yeah, I thought that was quite quite funny, the social media blackout brief as it was. Um but I wonder there's there's bound to be some real fallout from that. Like Yeah, I imagine on a local level people probably did lose money. Uh, through lost bookings i nearly lost my spot at five aside <laughs> so you know really it's kind of you're you locked out there because that would have been well may as well have been the end of the world if that happened look i think yeah you know count your blessings there because who knows there's probably a lot of people out there who did lose five aside spots and that's really that's who we should be thinking about in these kind of scenarios so um, we'll dedicate this episode to anyone who lost their spot on a five-a-side team um, due to the Facebook crash. Uh, but <laughs> moving on, uh, only other really interesting thing I find this week, this was uh, reported from Variety, so not confirmed yet, but it definitely seems pretty likely uh, or certainly possible, is WandaVision, um, Marvel TV show, will be getting a spin-off with Catherine Hahn in the lead, so we can assume that's going to be an Agatha... Harkness based TV show um, that's literally all we know right now is that Catherine Han's going to be kind of leading that show so I don't know I don't know what where this is going if it's going to be a old timey witchy show if it's going to be a villainous thing or she's maybe going to come back as some kind of anti-hero I have no idea there's no details released yet and obviously Marvel haven't confirmed this 
but I think it's extremely likely that we'll be getting Catherine Han back in some capacity. And I think that's also a very wonderful idea because she was really, really good in that role. So uh, I'd be happy to see some more of that character. But what do you think? What what could they bring her back as? What would you like to see most? Uh, I would guess it'll be on some sort of path of redemption because, I mean, no one who's been the focal point of either an MCU movie or television series has really ended up being a bad guy. I mean, Loki was the closest thing and he was very much a good guy by the end of uh, his series. I mean, I think it'd be something like instead of her getting all her uh, getting back to her normal state because I, I don't know exactly what sort of condition. Oh, she like she reverted her to actually being I can't remember her name when she was one of the townsfolk in one division, but she wanted yes. made her that actual person. But her powers were still locked away, so I imagine she'll like it'll be something like she'll rediscover her powers, but I'll use them for good this time. But hopefully, with the same sort of personality, and, uh, less murdering of Sparty. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd I'd love to see more of that character anyway. And obviously, Catherine Han is great. It was very funny. I'd like to see it. Yeah uh make her less evil so we can just see her be funny and not have to dislike her at all i think that would be good it's nice <laughs> it's nice when you can like someone without the guilt of knowing that they're a potentially evil witch uh so that that's always nice um yeah it'd be cool to return because i i did really like the wandavision format especially kind of the first few episodes where we got the different kind of sitcom style uh shows and it went through the different eras and stuff uh, of all those different shows and we kind of got that tone for each episode uh, I really enjoyed that but it's obviously it's a very hard thing to come back to because the reason it happened was because of um, Wanda's magic in that show so it's like it's, it's tricky to return to that format in any kind of uh, real way so I wonder is there a potential way to do that maybe with this show or not even do that but something similar where you kind of change totally change the tone of these shows and make them almost a different genre to what we normally see with these obviously action-based superhero shows um i think there's yeah whether it's this show or a different show i would i would really love to see that because i think that was a massive strength for me in wandavision as well as just being like a great story but i find that element really really funny and interesting as well like i think they did it all well too because some of those some of the shows they were parodying aren't even that good <laughs> so it was impressive to be able to like parody a show and actually make it better in a lot of ways or still entertaining and not just be like poking fun and and boring you know they still made it really interesting and managed to carry their own narrative through so i would just like to see more of that just other other different things you know in marvel movies um, I think that would be cool. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it almost feels pointless at this stage uh, predicting what we're going to get. Because I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's be honest, one division wasn't uh, wasn't really what we were expecting, and we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Uh, Loki certainly wasn't actually what I was expecting either. So yeah, I'm to be honest, I'm mostly done making predictions. The only prediction I will make is Andrew Garfield is. A hundred percent, because I've heard him saying this multiple times, he's a hundred percent definitely not in Spider-Man. And if you don't believe him, that's on you. Just because he looks like he's being made to read 
stuff off cards whilst Kevin Faggy holds a gun at him. Doesn't mean he's lying. He's definitely not in Spider-Man. Yeah, I believe definitely him. Not. I trust him, you know? I trust him. He's not Something about him. I trust him, you know? he's. Yeah, there's no way he's in Spider-Man. If he's in Spider-Man, that will be the biggest shock of this year. Honestly, I will I will eat my hat if it turns out Andrew Garfield is in Spider-Man. That will oh. be... What a surprise. Actually, <laughs> actually, I was um, joking about that, but that's actually a bit of news. I don't know if you were going to say that, but I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. If you haven't seen it, it might not be a great piece of news to bring up, but uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's latest work got its trailer released. It did, yeah. Tick, tick, boom. I actually forgot about that. I was. Uh, we should talk a little bit about that, yes. Um, not that I know a, a great deal about it, but obviously... Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote Hamilton and has written lots and lots of other things since and before, obviously. Uh, Very talented writer, but I think this is his directorial debut, certainly for a movie. Um, I don't know if he's ever directed any like stage shows before, but uh, as far as I know, this is the first movie he's directed. I hope that's right. Um, It's also a musical, yeah, and it's about, oh, I've forgotten the name, but the, the... person who wrote the musical Rent, which is a, a really great and extremely sad musical. Uh, so it's a, it's about his life, obviously a very famous uh, musical writer. And I, I didn't know anything about his life before either, but just from watching this trailer, it looks like he had some very interesting uh, things he had to go through to write Rent in the end and presumably to bring it from nothing to something you know or to set out writing a musical i have no idea how you even go about doing that and how many times you know things change along the way so i'm sure that's that'll be an interesting process to document anyway and that's probably one of the best musicals to do it with i think um something that has such a like where the story is so integral to it uh so i think that could be really interesting to watch um but i don't know that much about it but yeah what, what did you think did you see it or did you just hear about it uh, no, I I just heard about it. as I said I'm awful for actually watching trailers, but you know, the guy's called Jonathan Larson. I think it's worth oh, yes. pointing out that um, at the time when he wrote Rent, um, obviously, I mean it, it, it wasn't as things weren't as bad as maybe they were 20 years before, and he wrote Rent. Um, but I mean at the time, because I mean I can even remember sort of me being a child. Things were obviously a lot less LGBT friendly uh, yeah. back when he wrote this, and I think uh, the nineties, he's not quite sure. So I mean, uh, yeah, the guy who was basically fighting a real uphill struggle um, to get his work to to get through in life, and I think that's probably why uh, we're getting the movie about it. Because I mean. He is someone who led a very unique and interesting life. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I think it is. It's certainly, yeah, one of the more interesting versions of that artist struggle. But I think it's still a story that probably a lot of people will relate to when it comes to trying to be creative or follow passion or whatever. Um, and it's probably a really, really interesting one to see. So I, I am interested to watch it. But similarly to you were saying, look, you're you're bad for watching trailers. But I think. I think you have the right idea of not watching trailers for things you want to see because I really don't want to be spoiled on a lot of story. Now, I mean, there's lots of things that I do. I watch trailers kind of 
for the for this podcast <laughs> and especially some of the big ones like people are very good at making trailers now and that the trailer is almost a mini movie and they're they're good at not spoiling things and all as well but um where i can especially if it's something i'm really excited for i i will sometimes try to avoid trailers so i don't think i don't think you're bad at watching trailers at all look i think you are uh i think you've got the right idea by not watching them because i think it just leaves leaves more to the imagination and then you, you can't really get spoiled as much although it's hard to not get spoiled on the internet now anyway but sure we do what we can <laughs> we try our best yeah no i think i think marvel definitely has the right idea with trailers now by sort of making it part of the build-up and being very careful about what gets put in the trailer and that's all part of more bigger overall plan um yeah but i suppose it is worth saying whilst i can give marvel credit for that marvel do have the luxury of having forward planning you know a lot of yeah <laughs> a lot of movies you know especially if they're originals do need to get people in through the door which is why they um put a, a lot of the best stuff in the movie in the trailer and it, yeah honestly a lot of movies that are good movies but do poorly it's because they were trying to do the right i don't want to say trying to do the right thing but they were uh, leaving a lot out of the trailer so as the all the people could go in and they wouldn't have any part of the movie spoiled for them but you know it's 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 such a yeah. hard choice as to what to do it I mean uh, yeah I mean you, you can't you shouldn't judge a book by its cover but you can't read it before you buy it you know so yeah. the cover's doing something right um in the same way exact same with books where if it's maybe an, an author you love or a sequel to a book you loved then the cover doesn't need to be as engaging it's the exact same thing with movies when when marvel releases a movie we're gonst to see it you know <laughs> but uh when it's just a random movie that we've never heard of before and maybe it's not a director we particularly like or a you know it, it it's brand new it's not based on anything we've seen before then the trailer's what's got to get you in. You can't just go and see every movie. So uh, it's, it is a shame, but equally, how else, how else are you going to pick what movies to go and see? Uh, I think it's, there's, a, there's a line to tread there, you know? And as you say, Marvel definitely have the luxury of a lot of movies in the backlog that they can rely on. And as you say, a lot of forward planning where everything is part of a plan. So it's easy enough compared to, you know, a one-off movie that you really want people to come and see. Um, so that's definitely, definitely a big part of it. Um, but anyway, that's enough news, I think, for today. Uh, but I think we, we, covered, we covered the basics. Um, we have a quite fun topic this week. So we talked a little while ago about video games, and we also talked a little bit about um, movies, video games that we think they should make movies out of or that we think they could make movies out of what would be good, what would be bad. So we're, we're going in the other direction this week and we're talking about video games based on movies. Uh, so these will be, basically, I remember, I don't know if this happens as much now, I don't think it does, or if it does, they're, they definitely aren't big releases, but I remember, particularly when we were probably kids and as we grew up, look, every time a movie came out, there would be a video game of that movie, whether it was, it would always be for like not the not maybe the biggest consoles but everything every movie would have a game you know um and i 
I think it's mostly they're awful, but <laughs> there's definitely some gems in there. And uh, obviously there are some massive, massive games that are based on movies as well. So we're just going to ha have a chat about some that we remember or that we've played and um, see if maybe they're as good as we remember. But yeah, look, what, what do you have to say about video game or movie video games? It's, so, it's hard to get there in the right order. Well, I can tell you that I have indeed played uh, the Cat in the Hat video game, obviously based mm. on the much panned by generally, but much lauded by this podcast, uh, mid 2000s yeah. <laughs> movie, The Cat in the Hat, starring Mike Myers as The Cat in the Hat. And yeah. there was also Things One and Two who helped The Cat in the Hat, and The Cat in the Hat. Uh, nearly hit someone with a baseball bat and the cat in the hat <laughs> you, you see rhyming. <laughs> i'm not actually even rhyming because i've just said the cat in the hat a lot of times uh, but, <laughs> but yes uh there was a very wide range of quality when i was growing up between well and when you were growing up obviously because we're the same age, we're the same age. <laughs> they, they very varied wildly in quality video uh video games based on movies but there was a reason they did them, and that's because they actually seemed to sell very well. I mean, I could go through my old PS2 collection, which I do not have on hand because I'm not uh, at home in Northern Ireland, but I'm sure I could go through it. And I would say a pretty high percentage of those games were uh, games based on movies because you saw the movie, loved it, and you wanted to get um, the, the video game. I mean, I'll give you a great example. Basically, nearly every Pixar movie released during a certain period, I have the video game of it. Yeah, uh, I, I would be similar. I was going to say, just before we get into it, um, so you, you had the PS2. For me, it would have been Nintendo, Game Boy, and DS probably at that stage uh, in my life because I was, I was a Nintendo kid growing up, so... Um, but I imagine the games are probably going to be the exact same and I feel like there's going to be a lot of overlap on this list because as I'm saying, yeah, as you're saying, every movie that came out, a video game came out of it and because I didn't really play a lot of video games until I was maybe a little bit older, so I didn't have like, I didn't have any awareness for what good games were because I hadn't heard of that before, you know, I hadn't heard of Zelda before so I wasn't going to pick up the new zelda game when it came out or whatever but i had heard of kung fu panda which is one i've got written down which i so i was like oh i liked that movie it was good i recognized that character i'm gonna buy the kung fu panda game <laughs> for the nintendo ds which i did and i remember it being really good at the time uh oh. but of course i had no awareness for what a good game was but <laughs> It's characters you like and things that you recognize, you know, and that's kind of what, what draws you in, especially as a kid. Honestly, probably when you're younger, you're better playing Absolute Drek uh, for video games because, I mean, yeah. anything will impress your tiny little mind uh, <laughs> yeah. that, that you can then see if they're actually good games from when you're older and you're harder to impress and you can enjoy it. I mean, also, if I'm being completely honest, I think it exhibits real chatty energy to play the Kung Fu Panda video game and eschew all the classics that were being released at that time. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I but, do. I love that idea of just ignoring absolute A-list a games that are coming out, walking to the back of the shop and picking up like a three-pound Kung Fu Panda <laughs> video game. 
can you think of the most ridiculous video game adaption of a movie that you played or owned? Because I can. I'm pretty sure I owned this game. I think it was G Force. Oh my god! <laughs> I had the PlayStation Two video game based on the G Force movie. I wow. mean, I don't even think I even really liked that much. I think even I can remember thinking at the time it was pretty average. I think I got the G Force video game. That's so, it's so much worse that you thought the movie was average that you that you still bought the video game. That it wasn't even like, oh my god, they have G Force. That's my favorite movie. It's that you watched the G Force movie and went, eh, and then saw the game and thought, now nah, you see the the problem with the movie is that it just wasn't immersive enough. I think if I could really get involved with the characters, <laughs> I'd like it a whole lot more. The, that was the, the issue one, for you. The one thing I can issue in my defense is PS2 games. There was a lot of bad ones you took a punt on because PlayStation 2 games were insanely cheap. I mean, I think, I honestly think a lot of the time I paid about, I very rarely paid anything above 20 pounds for a PlayStation 2 game, which to be honest, like I'm, I'm talking new games here. Yeah. As, like uh, you see what new games are released for these days, PlayStation 2 games were seriously cheap back then. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, but, oh, man, that's so funny. The G-Force game. Do you, What do you remember it, about it quality-wise or any details that you remember much about the G-Force game? I mean, the movie was really forgettable. I mean, I think the video <laughs> game was. I think I think there was maybe a mechanic where you got in the, the ball thing. Uh, that would make sense. I honestly... I was was pretty bad for buying games and playing them a bit and abandoning them when I was younger just because, as I said, you turn through so many PlayStation 2 games. Uh, If you want to give your answer for the most ridiculous one you can think of, I'm going to actually look this up and find some pictures of it. Yeah, go for it, go for it. So I I have quite a few based on movies like that are similar and, and quite vague, but just as you were talking there, I... I could visualize in my brain the cartridge. This is for the Game Boy, so it was like one of the wide cartridges. And I could visualize it, and I couldn't remember what game it was, but I could picture it perfectly. And I've just remembered I had the Game Boy uh, <laughs> for the Game Boy King Kong. This is the Jack Black King Kong from what, 2001, 2002? When did that movie come out? Uh, it was like. I think it was 2005 or 2006. I actually had three years the movie poster in my room. Uh, Sorry, just before you continue, I'll actually tell you. I've looked this up. (laughs) The GeForce video game was genuinely really well-received critically. Wow. The Guardian gave it four stars out of five. Whoa. Okay. Does it just for like interest, a, does it say there are any other games that the Guardian has rated four stars out of five? Because I would I love to see what was on par with the G Force, the G Force video game, like a third person shooter as well. Wow, that well, that sounds good. I suppose for anyone who doesn't know, for, for anyone who doesn't know, G Force the movie was a movie about guinea pigs that were spies. Isn't that the that's the that's the gist yeah, of the movie, that's, isn't that, it? That's the um, gist of it. I like Guinea Pigs to the fact that I wasn't even that impressed by that movie. It probably says a lot. 
but the video game four stars yeah and and for context as to how bizarre that was the video game was so much better uh this is the aggregated rankings of g-force the movie 5.1 out of 10 on imdb a 22 percent rotten tomato score 41 percent on metacritic uh, although 73% of Google users like this film, but that doesn't mean anything because Google users are, I think, really easy to impress. <laughs> uh, but it's like, it had a budget of 150 million US dollars and made nearly $300 million at the wow. box office. Everything about Well, I think we're owed a GeForce 2 and rightly so a GeForce 2 video game. I think that's what's in order here. That's all I'm hearing. Look, with these reviews and that much money, come on. It's time for the GeForce sequel reboot that we've all been that we've all been clamoring for ever since you reminded me that movie existed a few minutes ago. <laughs> I um, actually think it's come up a few weeks previous, and the fact that the movie keeps coming up somehow means that the the idea of super spy guinea pigs has implanted itself in my brain. It's, yeah, well, I it's think... It's a little uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I think a guinea pig spy movie, I think that idea's got legs, or more accurately, a giant plastic ball that it can roll around in. Actually, I can tell you, and, and the fact that I can remember this is also really weird, the guinea pig joke in a movie that's making me laugh the most was from Bedtime Stories where Russell Brand's oh, yeah, character yeah, yeah. mocks. Kenny Pig for not having opposable thumbs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Maybe, and I don't want to. I don't want to make this decision too rashly, but I think that might be my favorite guinea pig appearance in a movie at all. And I don't, you know, I haven't put a lot of thought into that. I'll be honest. It's not. It's not a, a category that is that common to come up. Um, I don't know if they have that at the Oscars. Can't remember off the top of my head if they have a best guinea pig category I, in the Oscars. I wouldn't. I couldn't be sure. I don't want to say if I'm not sure. I, but I, I think there is an award for it. The Cannes Film Festival. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney just keep re-entering G-Force to zero competition. True. <laughs> God, right. Let's move on before this becomes a G-Force episode. Um, but yes, King Kong. I had the King Kong movie video game. Uh, the only thing I remember about it was that it was aggressively difficult. It was so, so hard, that, that game. Um, I've, I really don't remember it much. I think it was like a top-down kind of adventure game. But it, the only thing I remember is that it gave you no clues as to what you had to do. But the levels weren't... It wasn't like a side-scroller or anything. So you didn't know where you had to go on, on each map. You just kind of ran around the island. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you have to collect things or complete certain missions or whatever, but I just remember it giving you absolutely no clues. It was so user unfriendly <laughs> and maybe it wasn't meant to be for kids, but I mean, I don't know who else your demographic is for a King Kong video game, uh, but. That maybe was relatively dark. It was probably more like teenagers. Yeah, maybe. I just it, I just remember it being so, so difficult. But um, I don't know. It feels like a movie that didn't really need a video game, I don't think. King Kong. But... Games were difficult when you were younger. I mean, I think I got stuck on the Flushed Away video game. Mm, 
Oh, I wonder did I have the first away video game? See, I'm I'm thinking now. I know I've seen all of these games and probably wanted all of them. I don't know if I had any of them though. <laughs> that's what I'm getting now. Like every time we say a movie now that's from like 2005 to 2010, I'm not going to know whether I had the game or just wanted the game desperately. But I'm sure Flushed Away is on that list. <laughs> to be fair, I think though, like thinking about this, I think people really need to understand that mid to late well probably actually early 2000s to late 2000s and even a little bit of the early 2010s all the blockbuster studio films that got released got a video game adaption with them yeah yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like i'm sort of looking at films that came out around mid 2000s i mean uh robots that definitely in a video game harry Potter and the goblet of fire did uh, yeah. Oh, there, there was actually. Do you remember there was a Narnia video game, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Oh wow, I definitely didn't play that. I, I, it was at my friend's house. I didn't know, and I actually remembered thing that was really good. It was sort of like a sort. It was like a third-person action game. It was. Um, I'm trying to think of something that would be you could say it was like, but it was honestly it felt it felt pretty decent. Like you sort of did sword fights and fought enemies and all but yeah hmm. point being literally everything did get a video game yeah uh, yeah um yeah i think did... all extremely I, I don't want to say forgettable but they weren't made to be video games they were made to make money i think most of these things and i'm sure some of them were like passion projects and i think that stands out for things like that narnia game where like someone clearly got this and was like i want to make this good you know um and and i think there's definitely work has gone into some of them but um i don't know do you want to rattle off some of the some of these ones that are very much came out in that chain of movie based video games kind of uh during that time are there any that you had but maybe you don't have anything to say about them <laughs> Well, yeah, I can, but it's just, I, I do want to say, I think everything about that Narnia film was quite high production. I mean, that, it, you know, whether it was Disney or whatever, I can't remember. Someone at the studio clearly loved Narnia because that movie mm. was really well made. It was, it was yeah. a good movie, and the, the production values, if you still, you know, you go back and look at it, it still all seems to relatively hold up. I mean, the Aslan CGI is pretty good. Yeah, uh, the winter shots that I can see, and my mum still calls James McAvoy Mr. Tumnus or something about that stuck <laughs> in the subconscious. Uh, Interesting. So it doesn't surprise me the video game was also relatively well made. Yeah, yeah. No, it does make sense. I think, yeah, it just it goes with everything. Obviously, when you can see that someone somewhere along the line cared about a project, I mean that that sounds really obvious, but um you know when when people care about things they they come out a whole lot better than when it feels like people just trying to make some money um but certainly people just trying to make some money is definitely a big category when it comes to these games um i remember you mentioned like the pixar movies every pixar movie had a video game i remember specifically i had uh toy story 3 on the nintendo ds i remember it actually being 
decent. It was like a stealth game. Well, it was a it was a mixture of games or a mixture of different levels, but one of the level types was were like these stealth missions where you basically couldn't get caught either by like people, obviously, because you I think you played as Woody in these ones. Um so obviously people couldn't catch you and then uh also the um the like evil toys in the daycare thing because that's that happens in Toy Story 3 spoiler sorry if you haven't seen Toy Story 3 <laughs> uh yeah to like hide from them so it was like this weird weird stealth game but you played as Woody from Toy Story uh and then there was like i don't know a, a lot of a lot of bizarre levels uh obviously playing a Toy Story game but um really random it just it goes to show like all these random games i think there was there was also a wally game did you play that because I, uh, I definitely I had think that. my friend had i don't think i played it i was yeah. going to say toy story 3 i played the playstation 3 version which will have been mm-hmm. different from the ds it was actually normal storyline was fine Cam, main thing you played was grand uh but it had like a thing that still actually makes it w- one of the games one of my favorite games from the PS3 actually, because it had this sort of sandbox mode where you had to like build a town and do missions for the townsfolk to expand your town. It was like a sandbox area to explore and build, and it was so cool. I would honestly like. I I don't get how that doesn't get remembered more. Maybe just because like enough people didn't play for it. I mean, I've still not played a game that's had a sandbox mode that I've enjoyed. Well, sort of a sandbox mode like that one that I've, uh, I was going to say that I've enjoyed, but even just generally, there's not one that I've played like that since. Yeah. Now that you say it, I feel like maybe that was an element in the DS one or something similar. I can't think now, or if, again, if I'm misremembering, or maybe I watched someone else play it, you know, on the PlayStation or whatever that had that. I definitely saw it. So whether it was, in the DS, or there's something similar, or uh, yeah, I just watched someone else play it. Um, that I had, I totally that was a memory I forgot I had until you just brought it up there. That's very interesting. I'm gonna need to go and look up Toy Story three playthroughs after this <laughs> to uh, to to rejog my memory and see see what it's all about. Um, but that's that's really interesting, actually. Yeah. Uh, what other other random ones, or is do you want to move on to maybe some some bigger bigger budget ones, or you know bigger whatever the blockbuster version of a video game is? I can throw out a super random one for you. I didn't cool. play it because it was my brother's game. But my brother owned Over the Hedge on Nintendo DS. <gasps> so did I. I forgot about that as well. What? <laughs> There's no way that was good. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Yeah. I actually remember thinking uh, the graphics looked really good. I mean, they probably look horrible now, but I think at the time they were probably quite good for a handheld game. Yeah. It was like, yeah. it was 3D, whereas even after that point, because that was only like the mid-2000s and the DS was around for ages, even after that point, a lot of games on the DS continued to sort of be 2D, where you'd go along side-scrollers or platforms, so a game in full 3D on the Nintendo DS did look really impressive. Yeah, no, I do. I remember the over the hedge game now. Yikes! Again, that it's so weird. Like these, these go to show that it really was every movie. You know, like it's one thing for them to make a Toy Story video game because that's a that's a big movie. Obviously, that's a major 
major motion picture, you know, it's a Pixar movie. A lot of people are going to see that. A lot of kids are going to see it. And if you make a video game of that, people are going to buy it. But like an over the hedge video game, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, Kung Fu Panda, King Kong, all these ones, G-Force, like it really was everything. Every movie that came out, there would be a game to go alongside it. Um, the last, the last kind of niche, well, it's not niche, but random one that I'll throw out. Uh, this was also for the Game Boy. Uh, was Shrek 2 and I want to say this because that video game I don't want to say it was good but I'm probably pumped about a hundred hours into that game (laughs) as a kid it was the only game I think I had or certainly the only one that I actually played consistently on the Game Boy and man I don't I think it was relatively easy but then every like maybe five to ten levels there would be a Puss in Boots level, like a sort of, yeah. you know, a, a different style of level. And those yeah. levels were so hard. They were unbelievably difficult. So you'd like play, play, play through kind of the fun levels. And then you spend like two days <laughs> trying to grind away on the Puss in Boots level. And again, yeah. maybe they aren't hard. Maybe I was just a child, but equally, <laughs> I remember I it being soul destroying. I think I had that one. I'm sort of trying to remember. I, I think it might have been like, an arcade style one and i think maybe if you ran out of lines you had to start it all over again i mean i, I think I so i think that's right or there was certainly like the save points were pretty irregular if not like it wasn't it wasn't level to level i don't think i think if you lost your lives it was you, you lost a lot kind of thing so or yeah i think there was like different areas i think is the was the thing so once you completed like the swamp which is maybe 10 levels or whatever then that would be a save point. But any time until then, if you lost your lives, you would go back to the start uh, I'll, or some, I'll, something similar to that. Only say, because I feel like I have the memory of replaying the first level a lot. <laughs> yeah, a and million you're, times. I, you're right. I think that Puss in Boots and Puss in, I think there's a level where you have to fight Puss in Boots as a boss battle, and then you also play as him in levels. Yeah, but I think that yeah. Puss in Boots boss fight, from what I remember, was brutally difficult. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, that might be the one I'm thinking of. It's certainly a Puss in Boots level, whether he's the enemy or the hero, I'm not sure. But uh, I remember really, really just going at that for days and days and days to try and, to try and complete that level. Um, but yeah, I think there's probably few games that I've put more hours into than <laughs> Shrek 2 for the Game Boy. And uh, I, I think if that doesn't tell you enough about me as a person, then nothing else will. That's that's the kind of man I am, a man that will sink a hundred plus hours into Shrek Two on the Game Boy, and I'm proud of that. Look, more hard dude. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, so big big games, big games. Some of these ones that I've kind of been thinking of, I suppose maybe aren't technically based off movies because some of them are like movies that are also books and whatever and blah blah blah, but. I think very much the influence for these games comes more from the movies than it does from books. Um, if I, that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but it's still it's still movie video games. It's just also book video games, and I think I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's enough of a reason for this uh, for this topic. It's unlikely that we'll come back and do video games based on books because uh, that's not not quite as extensive a topic. I don't think, um, but. 
big ones we've got um comic book video games so your spider-mans and your batmans are kind of the big ones that stand out to me um again comic books i suppose but equally very much a lot of movie influences certainly when it comes to like the style of the the games and stuff as well um i'm putting these ones together spider-man and batman because i think they are similar enough i'm thinking particularly like the arkham batman games and uh spider-man for the ps4 and uh ps5 like the miles morales version and stuff um i think those games are similar enough to to talk about together but um i i played i played both of these look have you played both of these or any of these i i've played most of the games you just said i think um others like the throughout they're probably the strongest uh element of the sort of sub-genre like and they are genuinely based off movies. The Lego games are the exact, are the pinnacle oh, yes. of making uh, video game adaptions of movies. Yeah, I I was coming to that look, but you are very much right. That's that's my <laughs> that's the top of my leaderboard currently uh, when it comes to these games. Um, yeah, Lego has nailed it just time and time again. They 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 don't miss when it comes to uh, video game adaptations. I think. There's like, because even the the most famous ones that we think about, uh, for me that's like the the Star Wars ones especially, and the the Lego Batman games, um, even all the other ones, all the really random ones are still great. Uh, Lego Pirates of the Caribbean. I think you were talking about um Lego Harry Potter. You were playing recently. Mm, yeah. Uh, like those, not that those are niche movies at all, but. They're not like Lego's big ones that they normally come out with. Obviously, it's like Star Wars and the kind of the superhero ones are the the heavy hitters of the Lego world. But um, man, all of those games are great. They, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what it is like. What what that magic little touches that Lego has? I think it's not taking itself too seriously and not taking the movie too seriously, but still like a lot of love there. Or maybe I I don't know, or if they just have some some magic secret ingredient, but those lego movies this always always really impress me and like are fun to play as well and sort of the difficulty works too like they aren't they're they're obviously easy enough but they aren't like it doesn't feel like it's a kid's game either but a kid could play it as well i i think it's just very well done <laughs> i don't know i don't know how they do it but man uh, lego they've oh. they've got it sussed I'll throw out two elements of it to you. I think the two main reasons why they're so good. Number one's passion for the source materials. I mean, a lot of video game adaptions just feel like sort of money was thrown at a video game studio to make one of these, and they were given a short time window, and it feels like that. Yeah. Uh, whereas these games are made with genuine passion for the source material. I mean, the Star Wars one is honest. The Star Wars ones are honestly, it's like you feel like everyone working on it was a massive Star Wars fan. Yeah. Or, or maybe not, because as we're all well aware, Star Wars fans actually hate Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and they weren't Star Wars fans. They were people who like Star Wars. There's yeah. a there's a very big difference. Yeah. And number two, not being afraid to take something and do your own thing with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean... When they sort of started out stars, they do have dialogue now, and I actually do prefer them with dialogue. But it was the fact they weren't afraid to when they started out with Star Wars. They took movies that 
have all these iconic lines they're just like no we're not gonna have any dialogue yeah and it worked and it was so good because it just had this sort of slapstick humor uh that was all visually based and it, and it worked and it, it was so good because it was just universal like young children find it funny adults find it funny so like people could bond over playing them and it just worked really really well it, yeah and I'm, I'm not going to call it lightning in a bottle because they've done it so many times since then but you feel uh, tra- that no other video game studio could have done it quite like Traveller's Tales have done it yeah no I, I think so like as you say you don't want to call it lightning in a bottle because they keep doing it but every every game feels like lightning in a bottle where every time they bring out a game and you play it you think god that's so good how do they do that but it's like how do they do that every time you know um but they really it really is yeah and i think you're right not being afraid to do your own thing with it where a lot of these video game or movies movie based video games why do i keep getting that wrong uh a lot of them are just we'll just do the movie again we'll just tell the movie story from start to end and kind of you'll do what the character does where the lego games obviously they are they're retelling the movie but they're they're looking from scene to scene and going okay how can we make this into a level rather than just doing exactly what the character did in the movie you know because that doesn't always work when it's you know depending on what it is if it's an action scene or whatever you won't be able to do just the same thing as the character you want to be able maybe to move about more you know if that action scene takes place in one room that's not very that's not really a fun video game level to play unless it's like a boss fight so taking that and being able to go okay let's build a location around this and kind of let you do some actual stuff or maybe maybe they make something that's maybe only two scenes in a movie like people escaping from somewhere and that's just you know they leave the room and then they cut to them when they've escaped they'll they'll make that into an entire level because when you look at that as a story that's an interesting story point to be able to play where it maybe isn't that interesting to watch and i think they really like that's that's an very good thing that i think the lego games do and probably the best kind of uh movie video games do is looking at things that make for good games rather than good movies and rather than just going like scene by scene and making a game out of it um if that makes sense i think that's probably that's a big part of it for me i think yeah no i agree totally well, I suppose we'll come back now because we talked about Lego there for a while. We can come back to Batman and Spider-Man that we were talking about there um, a little bit because I, I have played both of these and both are very much one of my, like in my top tier of video games. I think they uh, very much nail it. Now, again, similar thing. Neither of them follows the storylines that they follow in the movie and they aren't really the same, even the same characters as in the movie. Uh, so I, this one is definitely looser, looser connections, but um, I think it, I think it still works for for Spider Man and Batman, um, because the character, you know, it's it's similar enough. Uh, but these games are really, really great. I think uh, they just they they capture so much about the characters and kind of building a world, and I think some of them do it in a maybe some ways better than movies. I think. Uh, because in well it's still important in a movie but i think some people maybe forget about it is how important the actual your world is and, and your setting is whenever you kind of make a, a movie or a video game 
but the difference is in a video game it's essential that your world makes sense and that wherever you've set the video game all works and fits for the for the gameplay whereas in a movie you can still film without kind of thinking about that you can still write the script if you haven't thought about what the background's going to be you know kind of thing so I think where it can a lot of the time be overlooked in a movie, it can't be overlooked in a video game. And that's why more so, I think, with the Batman games than, than Spider-Man. But that's why in sort of the like Arkham City, uh, especially in those games, uh, you see this like this full world uh, and it feels like a very fun and bizarre Gotham where you can you could you understand it. You get why this is a city where criminals kind of are constantly out doing stuff but also it's not like it's not a random nonsense city either it like it, it really works and i think that's something that some of the batman movies miss a little bit especially obviously with like the dark knight trilogy it was meant to be more realistic so i i get that but um it's something i would love to see more in the batman movies it reminds me a lot of like the the tim burton um batman like that version of gotham as well uh but yeah, I, I really like that setting element of video games. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as you said, I would agree. I've played all the Batman Arkham games and they do take inspiration from the movies. I mean, they're not based on the movies, as you said, but I mean, they're sort of elements. I feel the Batman and them themselves and the games themselves are he's quite like. Christian Bale's Batman, I think he's the one I would say was most similar to, but then it's a world that's kind of more like the sort of Tim Burton Batman. It's a little bit ridiculous. And I actually think the Joker, and it just could just be, I think in the first game he was voiced by Mark Hamill. I don't think he was in the subsequent ones, but it feels very much almost like a darker version of the Joker from Batman, the animated series. Yeah, yeah um no definitely i think <laughs> i think this is a probably not a problem but something that happens a lot in video games where you have a really really compelling side characters and villains and of a fairly uncompelling hero just because you play as the hero most of the time so you sort of have either like just cut scenes where they're doing whatever or you have like the GTA syndrome where your hero doesn't talk at all kind of thing, or, you know, you're quite often not getting to do anything as a hero, especially if you're like in, in a mission. Uh, so you end up with these like really, really cool villains and side characters and stuff. And maybe your villain or your hero is a little bit more boring because the personality comes more from the player, I, I suppose, in a certain way. Um, it's, it's not really about your hero being all that charismatic because you just like to punch stuff and, you know, you end up dying and stuff a lot. So maybe maybe your hero isn't quite the same as in a movie. But uh, I think that's really interesting. And I think those Spider-Man and Batman are both games that are like do that very well as well. Mm, yeah, uh, I think Spider-Man actually, interestingly, I think it's just because it's mainly inspired by the comics as this film was. I think in terms of which movie it's most similar to, I think that Spider-Man for the PS4 is actually a lot like The Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, I think that would make sense. Um, but a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, it has a really great storyline, actually. Um, the I've only played the first Spider-Man for the PS4, but 
I'm I'm sure the others are similar, but the story in in that game is really really great and does feel like it could make a movie. It's a, again different because you're building it to be a game and not a movie, but uh, it really does work. And I think yeah, you're right. It has a, a similar it is similar to the Amazing Spider Man, um, uh, which I, I is think... that is a, that's a very like comic. Not that it's a comic booky universe, but it's very like the storyline and the, and the plot is very much straight lifted from a comic book, you know, um, which is quite I, fun. I think partially the reason I think that is, I may have said this before, I do think Andrew Garfield, who, if you remember, is definitely not in the new Spider Man movie. <laughs> Obviously. All of the Spider Man film adaptions, I think he was the most comic book accurate Peter Parker. I think I actually probably still prefer Tom Holland's Peter Parker mm-hmm. just because the guy's so damn charismatic. But I think I think Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker was really comic accurate. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, even and Tobey Maguire sort of did his own thing, which did work uh, and I do really like. But I think Andrew Garfield deserves a lot of credit for creating something that is very respectful to the source material, but maybe to a certain degree that also trapped him within the role a bit. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I think it's not to not to go off topic too much, but um, the I, I sometimes feel a bit weird when people argue about uh, you know, which which version of Peter Parker was the best because it's a character that's existed for like 70, 80 years, and it's like. Well, maybe not that long, um, but uh, the character that's been a lot around for a long, long, long time and has been so many different things in that space of time, especially because Peter Parker and Spider-Man, probably more so than any other hero, because he is a teenager a lot of the time, is one of the few heroes that actually ages, where a lot of other heroes, they're, they're adults and they just stay like that forever. And you kind of, you just ignore that. They don't grow up, whereas Peter Parker he's in high school you know there's a there's a version of peter parker in high school there's a version of him in college there's a version of him as a young man and there's a version of him as like a a full-grown adult where he's like more of a mentor kind of figure to other younger heroes and i think obviously when you have that many different versions of a character and the character's been around for so long there's no there's no one version of it that is even the one you can compare people acting it to you know like you can't sure maybe Andrew Garfield is the best Peter Parker but which Peter Parker is he the best one of you know so like um I think don't discredit any anyone else but yeah I think definitely Andrew Garfield is a great Peter Parker I think um apart from, his hair is too cool I think but apart from that <laughs> I think he's a, a pretty good Peter Parker but yeah I think I think every Peter Parker is good in its own right because there's a lot of Peter Parkers in the comic books so who really cares <laughs> at this point there's been so many but uh yeah Andrew Garfield is is a pretty cool one it was, it's a shame we'll never get to see him on screen in a Spider-Man movie again imagine if uh, Tobey Maguire comes onto the screen just saying it's pizza time <laughs> I'd like if he came on screen just to clarify that he's not in this movie uh just to let us all know that he will definitely not be appearing in the next Spider-Man film I think that'd be good just to, just to, you know, so I can rest easy. Because I trust them. I trust them. Uh, <laughs> whatever they anyway, say. We'll move, we'll move on before I make any more extremely low effort and unoriginal Spider-Man 
uh, jukes. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to probably my favourite. I'll actually give a shout out to two video games, if you'll indulge me, that I think are really good uh, adaptions. Well, the first one is probably, I would still say my favourite game of all time. Uh, and that is Star Wars Battlefront 2. Mm. Uh, the original one that was released for the PlayStation 2. I mean, this is an example of just a straight-up great game that is also a, an adaption of movies, plural. It's, I mean, it's so good. It still holds up. It's Graphics were great for a PlayStation 2 game, like really good for a PlayStation 2 game. Yeah. And in a certain way, I know, actually, I'm going to say this, but it didn't... It, didn't come before the first Battlefield game, but in the way I, I sort of feel now that uh, in the way now Battlefield is the peak of the genre for large scale uh, team shooting games. That's what Star Wars Battlefront 2 was back then. I mean, that was there was no game at the time sort of recreated the sense of scale you got when you say you were engaged in battle uh, on Genosis or on the Death Star or, on, or you're in the Battle of Kashyyyk. Yeah. I mean, it was so good. It was just, it's so, so good. I mean, and then you had all the little side sort of modes like uh, the hunt where you could play as Wumpas against and just absolutely <laughs> wreck an army of rebels <laughs> or the Ewoks versus the Scout Trippers and the Ewoks would always win because they were too small for the Scout Trippers to be able to hit. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I haven't done it in a while, which is a shame, but every now and again, I would just like load up like a long playlist on Instant Action, just play it for hours. It's, it's, it's so good. It's just, it's absolutely it's the best game released in the PlayStation 2. That's a controversial statement, but I don't care. It's the best <laughs> game that was released on the PlayStation 2. And well, it's... as as someone who didn't own a PlayStation 2, I'm inclined to agree. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, I'm not shifting from that. It's still my favorite game of all time. I will acknowledge it's probably not the best game of all time. Still my favorite. Anyway, I could rave about it all day. I'm not going to. I'm going to give a platform not that it needs my me to platform because this is a platform that goes out to a small number of people but <laughs> for a game i think it was underappreciated when it was released i think it's not getting the credit it deserves but in terms of a great recent video game adaption of a movie it was mad max for the ps4 it was actually oh yeah contrary to what you might think because it was released around a similar time it's not an adaption of um, Mad Max Fury Road it's it's not a straight adaption of any of the movie's stories but it's the Mad Max character and it's probably most similar to Mel Gibson's originals it, he's, he's not really like Tom Hardy's at all to be honest yeah but I mean it was really really good it was an open world game you went around with your car and you upgraded it and stuff and the scenery was so good it's one of the best post-apocalyptic worlds I've ever seen in a video game but what nice. really made it for me was the action in the game it was sort of like it was it, it was a bit of a rip off of uh, the Arkham Asylum combat. But if you imagine the Arkham Asylum combat, but way sort of more hard hitting, like bones crunching at all with 
Like mm. also a really weird sort of wrestling element into it because <laughs> the f- the moves you had to finish off opponents a lot of the time were actually like wrestling moves. Like there was a I think a German suplex move where you you slammed an enemy neck first into the ground. I think there was pile drivers <laughs> as well. But all all played super seriously. Yeah, just a really good game overall though. Yeah, I have actually. I've seen I've seen people like still playing that on on twitch and on youtube and stuff like i think it must have like a some sort of cult following um as you say obviously if it's a if it's a really good game but it definitely wasn't like massive when it came out um but i have seen a lot of people play it and and obviously saying it's very good so that's that's quite cool that um that people do still play it but it sounds it sounds really good mm-hmm. um, i believe you've been playing the video game adaption of well not quite a movie but i have yes uh yeah did i maybe maybe i talked about this in the podcast um yeah i've been playing uh quite a lot of shadow of mordor um which is yes again a, a book adaptation but there's you know it's very much influenced by the movie certainly in terms of the the look of it uh by obviously the the lord of the rings books and movies um Man, it's a great game. There's also Shadow of, Shadow of War, which I haven't played yet because I haven't finished Shadow of Mordor yet, but uh, I'm, I'm sure I'll get onto that soon enough. Um, yeah, these are both set in, in the Lord of the Rings world. Um, none, not really any of the... Well, you don't play as any of the characters from Lord of the Rings. A couple make brief appearances in some, some flashes and stuff, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a very big open world game. It's got re- a really cool uh element that like i don't know if it it probably been done before in other things maybe but um certainly the first place i had seen it and it's it seems very original is the uh the kind of army element so um the the villains are the the orc or the uruk army uh and if you kill certain um certain enemies a new enemy will come up and take his place and you know they have proper rankings within their within their military and equally if if someone kills you then they get promoted and and all these sorts of things and enemies also remember you so if you maybe kill or uh damage an enemy and he escapes he'll remember that the next time you uh you interact with them and it's just very like it just makes for a really cool and interesting uh, gameplay and I think it really works for that world as well because it feels like it feels like that very Tolkien-esque level of detail you know where the the enemies aren't just kind of faceless villains and every character has a backstory as kind of Lord of the Rings is famous for where you know every little thing has a 10-page backstory to tell you where it came from a thousand years ago so having that that added detail I think works it's it's a very cool thing I think for any video game but specifically for a lord of the rings video game like there i can't think of anything better for that mechanic to be used you know i think it's kind of the the perfect place for it yeah no i can actually remember sort of because i played it when it came like the nemesis system is the thing everyone remembers and it's really good it was also like this is part of the reason the game's so great is like it's the only original thing in the game and the reason why the game's so good (laughs) is if we're being completely honest it does rip off a lot of other games but it, <laughs> it like takes elements from so many different games that actually make something original because it sort of got 
Assassin's Creed, um, stealth and whatever, Batman's fighting uh, the open world from a few other games. But the Nemesis system is like the original sort of cherry on top. It's created yeah. a really great overall package. Also, as an aside, I forgot I Googled it and I remembered to look it up again. Do you want to know the reason why the crop, the Narnia game was so good? <laughs> why? Do you want to know who made it? Who? Traveler's Tales. Of course. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to crack this thing wide open. It goes all the way to the top. Look. Traveler's Tales. It's all going to be one guy. Have you been responsible for making all the great video games? You scoundrels. <laughs> Maybe maybe what it actually is is that Traveller's Tales are behind making all the great movies. Maybe that's the secret. They don't they they're to, not even they're not even video game developers. They <laughs> Their dream create, is to be a production house. They have yeah. to create good games for them to <laughs> that's why they have to create good movies for them to make good games. Yeah. <laughs> the games are just the games are just kind of how they make money. Their dream is to make movies. <laughs> Interesting. There's a conspiracy there somewhere, um. But yeah, Shadow of Mordor, great. I, I'm I'm obviously a big Lord of the Rings fan. I don't know if we've talked about that on the podcast or not, but uh, love Lord of the Rings, love that world, and it's just very fun to run around in. But yeah, as you say, I think the the Nemesis system it really like it it makes an open world game feel so much more open worldy, you know, compared to certain other things where it it's an open world game, sure, but you still you can you can run around the city as much as you want, but there's only one thing you can do next, you know? Uh, I really like that having that system, it means when you attack a random group of, of orcs or you set, like, some, some people free or whatever, if one of them kills you, then the story keeps going because that then they become, you know, a captain or whatever, and, and it keeps going. So, like... Yeah, the basically things have consequences, so it feels like an open world rather than a game on tracks where you can kind of run around and do some side quests, you know. Uh, and I think that's that's very very cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, just to bring it back, well, I'll actually I'll do one. This is a, an old one, but maybe one of the most famous and most classic um, movie based video games that's that's been around forever, and that is a uh, the old GoldenEye. Uh, video game because that's that's an absolute classic um golden eye oh i don't know look will you be able to tell me what console that was for originally it was the nintendo 64 thank you very much um yeah i couldn't think of anything older than that that's still still regarded as being a, a really great game um I, I heard that et game was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah, yeah yeah of course silly me and especially like those older games like GoldenEye and stuff where it's not, you know, there's not a new game every other day and every game doesn't have a multiplayer option and all that. So like having a game that is good quality and you can actually play with other people and it's still fun, like having all of that at a time when there wasn't constantly video games coming out is probably what makes things like that kind of go down in history. Um, but yeah, that's that's certainly a classic and like to to still be remembered so fondly today i think is is a really cool thing uh for anything not just a video game but yeah to to last for this long and people still really remember you that fondly is is pretty cool i think 
Um, so yeah, Goldeneye, that's that's my my big classic one. But uh, that's that's about all I have. Do you have any other ones you want to finish on? Um, or do you want to just uh, talk about GeForce a little bit more? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, sort of trying to remember if I played. Um, okay, instead of trying to go out in a big one because it's good or bad, I'll just go out in a medium-sized one. Nice. I enjoyed the Green Lantern PS3 game. It was called <laughs> Green Lantern Rise of the Mountain Hunters. It wasn't, it was the characters from the movie, but not the events of the movie. And I actually really enjoyed it. I think it was a really solid game. So if you're looking, if you've got a PS3, I'm sure you could get it for cheap. I think it's well worth the play. I, th- I think it was quite good. That's a good example of a, a video game that outdoes the movie as well. Um, obviously, we're not sure if GeForce is the same. We haven't watched the movie in a while, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's quite cool for a, a video game that kind of is more is better received than the movie. Um, I think they they made an X Men Origins. Uh, Wolverine video game as well that a lot of people actually say is very good and kind of uh, well not that it's hard to be better than that movie but is much better than the the movie so that's quite interesting um, I suppose the the common thread here is that both of those movies were bad so it's maybe not that hard to make a better video game but um, that's that's quite interesting I wonder, you know I didn't you know yeah, I didn't find out until years after I saw it that people thought Green Lantern was a horrible movie I thought it was, I quite liked it when I watched it and I liked the video game and then I found out years later everyone was like, no, that movie sucked ass. Wow. Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm ragging on it here. I actually haven't seen it. So uh, I'm fully basing that off of everyone else's opinion, which I know you shouldn't do, but what can I say? I'm a sheep. And no, I, I'll, I'll, I follow I'll the crowd. Not. I was probably I'm probably in the wrong about this one. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds thought it was bad, and he was in the thing. That is true. Yeah, um, yeah. Him and him and Taika Waititi did an interview where they just both uh, refused to acknowledge that they were in that movie, <laughs> which I think is quite fun. Um, but yeah, that's um, at least the video game was good. There's still some yep. good remnants from from even a video or a movie that wasn't that well received, and. Uh, and that, I think that's a positive note to end on. Um, so, yeah, I hope you enjoyed us talking about video games based on movies. Uh, I quite liked that, just going through a list of movies and, and video games that we like and, and chatting about it. Um, nothing to uh, nothing to analyze. You know, <laughs> we've had a lot of a lot of reviews recently and it, it's frying my head. So I like just chatting from time to time as well. Um, speaking of, we'll go into Have You Seen This? This is our next segment. This is where we talk about what we've been watching or reading or playing or doing over the last week or so, and we have a bit of a chat about it. Now, weirdly enough, look, this came up multiple times in today's episode, <laughs> but have you seen The Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, yes, I've seen number one. I've not seen number two. Oh, really? I, I've seen both, um, but I'm, I'm just going to talk about the first one today because I actually watched it earlier. Um, I mentioned a little while ago that I watched through all of the mcu movies while i was doing that uh the spider-man movies aren't on disney plus or certainly weren't at the time and that the the tom holland ones that is just because of their weird sony disney deal so um i realized i could i didn't watch them in the as i was watching through all the other movies so i sort of went back and watched them separately and because i had to do that i thought 
if I'm watching those separately, I'll watch the old Spider-Man movies as well. And I'll watch the Tobey Maguire ones and the Andrew Garfield ones. And then I forgot to do that. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously a new Spider-Man movie is coming out. So I thought I should watch these again. And they're all on Netflix now as well, which is even better. So uh, I watched earlier today, The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. Because I was just in the mood to to watch that again. It's probably the one I remember least of you know all the Spider-Man movies. So uh, I went back and gave it a go. It is absolutely not bad <laughs> at all. Like mm-hmm. I think it's it's good. It's like it's it's hard to compete with the other Spider-Man movies because there's some really great stuff in there. Um, but it it is really it's it's perfectly fine. I think it tries a little bit too hard in some aspects, and I think there's elements of it now that looking back I think uh they I think they tried a little bit too hard here to set up some weird conspiracy thing for future movies but as you were saying about Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker it's incredibly comic accurate the stuff they were setting up it's really convoluted it doesn't really make sense it it overcomplicates characters backstories and that's that's what comic books are especially with Spider-Man uh like that is how comic books work and i think maybe it was just that this was still even though the mcu had started and stuff it was still very much a new era of these you know big extended universes that were all connected and everything had a backstory and all of that so i think people still just maybe weren't ready for it um but it doesn't like now with hindsight it doesn't seem that weird at all all of this hyper obscure uh, an overcomplicated backstory stuff like honestly it it's not a surprise to me at all you know if, if this was to come up in the mcu uh it wouldn't be it wouldn't really seem weird at all so it, it i think you are right it's one of the most comic book accurate versions in so far as it's super weird like the comic books you know uh and i i think that's that, i think that's pretty cool and it's also i think it's always nice to see just a, a comic book universe that isn't trying to be the mcu and like this isn't like that at all it's it really is very different to both the toby Maguire spider-man and the mcu spider-man all three of those universes really feel like different movies and they don't none of them try to copy each other and i think that's really like that that deserves a lot of respect i think um to not just do a reboot and do the same thing again uh, i think that's really cool and it does it makes me excited to see Andrew Garfield again as Spider-Man, which of course we won't, which is a shame. But uh, if we were to ever see that character come back, uh, that would be something I'd be excited for, you know, because uh, I think I think he is a good Spider-Man. Yeah, no, I agree with pretty much everything you said. I, I like the amazing Spider-Man. I think most people did, to be honest. I think most people said, yeah, probably better than Spider-Man 3, not as good as Spider-Man 1 and 2. I think most people are pretty happy with it. I think the issue was now, I'm saying this with, as I said, I have not seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2. I think people's opinion of Amazing Spider-Man 1 have gotten more negative in hindsight thanks to The Amazing Spider-Man 2 because I know a lot of people didn't like that movie and I think as a result, people remember The Amazing Spider-Man 1 as being worse than it was. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's probably true. Um. Yeah, because it, it's, to be honest, there's not really anything in it that's, like, big enough to dislike, I don't think, you know? not That makes me sound like it's 
or makes it sound like it's boring, which it isn't. But there, it's not like it. It doesn't take any big swings w- with anything, you know. Like there's nothing really for it to miss. It's Spider Man. Like we, it's <laughs> you can't really misstep, you know. It, it's just like a Spider Man comic or a Spider Man movie. So I don't think there's really anything for it to get wrong. And I think the cast is all really, really great. Um, and the the story's easy enough to follow. And I just like that the world is a bit different and and stuff. So. Yeah, I don't think you really can get it wrong. I think you are right. It's the it's the second one has maybe tarnished that reputation a bit. But I'll uh, I'll probably watch the second one maybe this week, so I might be able to get back to you next week on that and follow through. Um, have you been watching anything interesting? Uh, well, I watched Squid Game, but I think so did every other person on Earth. <laughs> Uh, so I'm sure there's much to be gained by me discussing that. So instead, I actually I actually didn't watch it. Um, I guess I'm just a bit of like a hipster or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, yeah, it was just like that's... really cool, but I didn't watch it. So yeah, that's going to be in a bunch of other people's personalities for the next few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> the joke will be on you when you watch it in like six months' time, want to talk about it, and everyone else is like, "That happened ages ago." <laughs> True. Yeah, <laughs> I just really late to the party. Yeah. So anyway, instead, have you seen The Equalizer? Oh, I have seen The Equalizer. The movie or the TV yes, show? Yes, the movie. Uh, there's a TV show that my mum and dad have been watching like nonstop for the past couple of weeks. So I was interested in, in case you had been watching that, but I, I haven't been seeing, seeing that. But I, I have seen the film, yes. No, I haven't seen the TV series. I'd maybe watch it now because I did like the film. But anyway, yes, for those of you that are not aware, The Equalizer is an action movie starring Denzel Washington as uh, an ex-agent of an unnamed secret intelligence agency or some sort of army spec ops, dark ops unit. Anyway, he is now retired and working in a hardware store and has his own little routine. And eventually that's disturbed when one of his friends who's a prostitute gets beaten up by her pimp and it sets him on a path of revenge that gets the attention of some bad, bad guys. Anyway, <laughs> that's basically as much plot as the film has, and I think it's all the better for it. Even the plot I've just told you, that's not told via expo- exposition, which I love. The movie just shows you everything. It doesn't. It literally does not do exposition. It never even says that he was... Uh, a, a member of some secret unit it just it, it makes it pretty obvious but it doesn't say it and <laughs> i think so, i think more movies should get you in look to give exposition just in that same way you just did for for the equalizer i think i think more movies should have you in as a you know you know there's always like the random scientist who explains the entire plot of the movie and what's going on so that they don't need to show it i think i think you should be that guy in english Doctor, <laughs> that that was you wanted dumb down. That was it, dumb down. I, I already understood that you wouldn't understand the actual science. I give you the stupid person version. <laughs> yeah, I like I like this character. I want to see yeah. more from this guy. I also don't think audiences would hear just fifteen seconds at the start of the movie. Break the fourth wall. Just get all the pointless exposition out of the way, so you can get straight into the action. Anyway, yeah. no, I'll, I'll, honestly, why I like this movie is it's just the, the action levels in it are just ridiculous. It's an 18. I honestly think I probably could have been a 15, but 
the benefit of all that is there's no sort of uh, watering down of the action. There are some properly high impact moments, especially one particular kill that involves a corkscrew that I think mm-hmm. you really have to see to appreciate. But <laughs> it's he's kind of a different action hero because he's not he's not sort of like I can't really put it into words, but I mean, he's different from, say, John Wick or Brian Mills from Tech, and he's very methodical. I mean, he you can sort of see it as, as like, uh, in the movie, the action sequences, he sort of sees things happening. It's it's kind of like, he's kind of like the rain man, but with killing people, if that makes sense. He, he sort of he's got, sees he's got Sherlock He's got Sherlock powers. Yeah, yeah. And it just, it, it works really well, because, I mean, at no point does anyone appear to even be a remote threat to him. That's quite cool. He, he, he just dispatches everyone with complete <laughs> um, disdain. I mean, even the main villain of the movie, the best he can manage, I think, is... Okay, yeah, I mean, sort of spoilers, but I mean, you, you can guess. There's an equalizer too. He beats the main villain. Uh, sorry. Uh <laughs> Even the best the main villain can do is two sort of gunshots that don't even really seem to affect them that much. But yeah, it was just very solid action flick, not high art or anything. But I, I mean, I can recommend it's definitely a seven yeah. out of ten movie. Yeah, for sure. It, as you say, it's uh, not not a lot of exposition and all the better for it. That it's just action speaking for ex- for itself and action for action's sake. And I think, like, from an action movie, sometimes that's all you want, especially, like, something fast-paced like The Equalizer, where you kind of, you don't need, you don't need people to stop and, and explain things constantly. It's, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory, and you just want to see cool stuff happen. And I think uh, The Equalizer is a pretty good example of a movie like that, you know? But strangely enough, actually, the human side of the movie also works quite well, because mm. the character's really likable, because, I mean, all the sort of it does devote a few scenes that they're not exposition it sort of shows him helping around his local community and helping his co-workers yeah. and even playing a, a, a scene that for some reason hilariously decides to use slow motion he he <laughs> makes a play to like win the match for the hardware store's softball team <laughs> uh yeah yeah exactly it's just it's it's a nice it's a nice movie and it i think like it spends more time on those scenes which it can because it doesn't have a really convoluted plot which means it can do things like that and it can have like nice character moments as well as a lot of action that that really works and it makes it just makes for a good movie you know fun characters and fun action and uh, a good time all all through you know i think that's uh, that's all you can really hope for in a movie isn't it and yeah. uh, I think that's a good that's a good message to end on. So, uh, thank you very much for listening to the Crack and Panther podcast. Um, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We have a subreddit. You can go there and check us out. If you want to send us an email, you can send that to crackandbanterpod at gmail Ask us a question. Send us a recommendation, and we'll we'll give that a give that a go. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Look, could you close us out there, please? Uh, this has been the Crag and Banter podcast. And I just got an email from Kevin Faggy, daring me to make one more 
Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man joke. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you again next week, pending uh, whether Disney decides to terminate me or not. (laughs) See you next week, guys. Thank you.